Hello and welcome to Weekly MTG. I hope you enjoyed seeing that package as much as we enjoyed experiencing it at PAX East. My name is Steve Sanu, alongside pro commentator Paul Chion and play design member, and of course, creative genius Doug Beyer, responsible for the uh, the creative on the upcoming set. I think it's called War of the Spark. You may have heard of it. You might have heard of it. Uh, we're very happy to be here today to give you sort of a recap of what happened at the Mythic Invitational, as well as give you sort of a look at the story so far for mm -hmm. some of the cool previews we've done. Also, apologies in advance for all of us, because all three of us were at PAX East. Our voices are a little bit hoarse <coughs> from all the yelling and screaming that we did. I'm fine. Yeah, we're all, we're all fine here. It's it, fine. It sounds like like roughly half the people who went to that event has, they call it the Pax Pox, right. where just everybody is just sick. All of our content creators are just taking a day off streaming. Yeah, I, I feel lucky to just be here right now. Yeah, yeah. Standing. I'm, I'm barely functional, but what, you know, uh, Steve was like, hey, you know, you have to do this show. Yeah, you have to do the show. I, and I, I was pressured like, both All right, of you fine. into doing this show. Right. I definitely, yeah. definitely. <laughs> it was like the day I was like, Paul, we got to do a Mythic Invitational recap. There was so much that happened. You, you need to be on the show. And, at, and to, to be fair, at the time you were like, yeah, I got so much to talk about about this event. And, it, and then later on you were like, when did I agree to And do then the I show? totally forgot. And yeah. then on Wednesday, <laughs> I get the invite in my, in my, yeah. my Outlook and I'm just like, Oh yeah, oh, I yeah. said yes right. to this. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm coming in tomorrow. I uh, called my doctor and, and told him <laughs> yeah. that I had to, so anyway. Yeah, yeah here I, we was, are. I impersonated <laughs> Doug's boss, it was fantastic. Yeah, uh, in all seriousness, thank you guys for being here. Uh, it was a, a huge week for Magic this, this right. last week. Big weekend at PAX East. Uh, starting with, of course, the Mythic Invitational. Paul, uh, you've been doing commentary for a lot of different pro tours in the past, a lot of different competitive Magic events. Uh, what was the Mythic Invitational like for you? <sighs> I, I'll, I'll say this, you know, coming into this, of course, we had a, a nice mix of, you know, some of the best players with a lot of content creators. So I wasn't really sure, you know, what the gameplay was going to be like, but I feel like we got some of our best games when we did have our pros going up against our content creators because they're entertainers. And I'll say just as far as the tournament itself, it was the most impressive spectacle of an event that I've ever had the opportunity to cover. And you know, I've done a lot of uh, pro tours and, of course, the Mythic Championship in Cleveland, but this, this was just... It felt like it was just on another level. I mean, we got, we had the sparks flying around. Yeah, yeah. We had that that crazy setup with the with the TV that was the the hundred inch TV up there for everybody to look at. I mean, and then of course uh, the last day where we had the arena. By the way, you guys didn't get to see this, but Steve <laughs> had to fill. He was the he was the Watsy hype man <laughs> prior to the War of the Spark uh, preview panel, and he had to fill for not thirty minutes. We had some we had some issues. <laughs> he had to fill for forty five minutes. And it started out so great. In the beginning, he was just like, yeah, who loves magic? And everybody's going wild. And then, and then at the end, it's like, who's in line? <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, people in line. Love, give me a shout. Yeah, yeah, we got we to gotta give the people a shout out when they're waiting in line. In all sure. honesty, I thought you did a great job. Oh, I mean, everybody thanks, was having a blast just watching yeah. you do your thing. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was a super fun time. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll, talk, we'll be talking a lot more about the stuff in that panel right. later on, because Doug was actually on that panel. But... Speaking of ridiculous games, there's some incredible games of Magic played over yeah. the course of the weekend for sure. Yeah. Um, I do want to, we, we have some clips. We put together some clips yeah. uh, in case you missed the Mythic Invitational. Uh, this first one, I think to set it up, this was Sky Bills, Sky Bills versus Shahar Shanhar. Right, this was right? game three, Sky Bills against Shahar Shanhar. Uh, Shahar has a lethal attack on the following turn, but Sky Bills is about to untap with an experimental frenzy, and she really needs to string together some powerful spells to be able to come back in the, in the game. Well, let's check it out. Uh, this is the game three in the Swiss of Shahar Shanhar versus Skybills. One. All right, History of Benalia applying some extra pressure there. Let's see. What is behind this mountain for Skybills? Will Shahar attack with oh, everything and throw away two creatures? Oh, you mentioned a chain order now. 
Needs a chain whirler bad. Oh, oh, there it is! There it is! Goblin chain whirler on top! Four sky bills! Oh. This is exactly the time she needed it because oh. she was so close to that on the following turn. What a draw. And, and he another brings a friend. One. Hello, friend. Would you like to remove the rest of this board, please? Thank you very much. Now that's going to take the knight oh, token and perfect. the token from the hunter witness. Oh, this game has more. turned around. Skybills <laughs> is now firmly in the lead in this game. Oh, more, more. Just more. Keep going. Keep going. Look, at, it's Let's not see. stopping. How many cards is that? Can't more, stop. Won't more. stop. Look at this. <laughs> this is fantastic. I love it when Experimental Frenzy does crazy things like this. Go. Go, little red things, go. All right, now this is the kind of game I want to see, friends. Oh, and, and I like this uh, aggressive use of the Runaway Steamkin, hoping to find more spells with the mana, but it doesn't matter. I mean, look at this board. Look at what happened in the what course of just swing. one turn. That was insane. Goblin Chain Whirly, you rude, rude thing, you. All right, now all of a sudden, Skybills is in control. Another Goblin Chain Whirler hits the board. And a Fanatic Fibra. Hi, friend. Yeah, th this game is basically... Oh, and, and Lightning, lightning strike, strike on top. Goodbye, Benelish Marshall. We're just yes. going face. Let's you see. You can go Benelish Marshall, and then you can use the Firebrand to get rid of and... the Night Token, and this should be the game. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, another Lightning Strike. Why not? Wait, wait, wait. Why yeah, not? One more, Why one not? more. Hey! Congratulations. Wow. What a turn. Wow. That was insane. That was one of the best experimental frenzies I've ever seen. That was... Ridiculous. She had one turn to find that Chain Whirler because what? Shahar had a lethal attack that turn. The power of Experimental Frenzy. Uh, I, I cannot believe the amount of spells that Skyfield <laughs> strung together for that one. Like, she was out of the game right. pretty I mean, much I, until I mean, that, that moment. That is the upside that you see. And I'm glad that you guys just played the replay instead of having me talk through all of that because <laughs> I, I cannot replicate that excitement with my current energy <laughs> level. But th that, that was an amazing game. And, and again, I just want to point out just... When you have these content creators, and you know these, a lot of these players aren't even necessarily used to playing in these, you know, high, high level and testing tournament uh, tournament environments, and you got to see that raw emotion. And and as a professional player, you have to keep that bottled in. You know, the, the, like w when you play competitively, it's like you can't give anything away. You have to just know that this always happens. But for for the for the streamers, they're like, oh my god, I just pulled off this incredible victory. I want to thank my friends. They told me never to give up. I untapped with the frenzy and drew seven spells in a row. And I mean, it was just it was just so incredible to see just that genuine just all that emotion from the players. And I feel like even the MPL players kind of took up on those cues. And over the course of the Invitational, they kind of let loose a little bit more and showed a little bit more of themselves. I mean, I think props to, uh, to Becca Scott, especially who was conducting a lot of those post-game interviews, uh, and to the whole coverage team, right. frankly. Like, that was a great coverage team. And uh, you wouldn't know it, but I think uh, Alias V, who was your partner on the desk for most of the tournament, this was her first ever casting duty like it, ever it was her first i would okay i'm not gonna lie i mean i was super nervous right yeah. i mean it, it, it makes sense because it was her first event ever uh you know and i i didn't know a whole lot about her and uh so i i, I was super nervous coming in but at the same time i'm like hey you know we're not just gonna hire her if we don't think she can do it and so you know i got to see some of her streams and we even did a practice run and uh you know after the practice run i gave her some like some some tips, you know. I was just like, 
you know, we, we did this run, and you know, I, I work with Marshall a lot, and he's like considered one of the best. I'm like, all right, these are the things Marshall would do. So I try to relay that to her. Yeah. And you could just see her massively improve day over day. Wow. And, and, and by I, I want to say by Saturday, I mean she was basically a pro where where she you know um, she was able to let loose. You know, she was able to be you know. Because you know she's got a great sense of humor, but in the first couple of days, it's like you don't want to kind of show everything. Yeah, you, know? yeah. you just want to make sure you get the transitions right and the gameplay right. But towards you know on day three and, and day four, I thought I thought she really she I mean she killed it. So. Well, I mean it was especially apparent because like Doug, you and I were were at the event, but we were in the audience right, most right. of the time. Uh, it was so cool to see all of these people just like coming to the booth. It was super crowded. Yeah, uh, and like. And I, I think you probably had more experience like being part of the crowd than I did because I was off doing whatever I was doing. Yeah, right? Magic's physical presence on the floor was just kind of dominating. Mm -hmm. For the rest of PAX, you, you just, anywhere you were in PAX, you could see the enormous screen <laughs> and the sparks and the pyrotechnics. Yeah. And yeah, always a crowd just watching Magic. Like it's, I don't know, it's a thing we've always kind of imagined could be true of like, what, you know, why? Why isn't Magic having the spectacle here? Right. Why isn't Magic the center stage here? And a lot of people, I kept seeing on social media, people saying like, it's kind of cool that my hobby, the, the, the thing that I enjoy, gets to be the, the big man on the, on the show floor. My favorite thing, I think, about that, that spectacle of it all was uh, after matches, after a particularly intense matches, you would hear the crowd applaud. Like, they would actually applaud, and you would hear them react to stuff, which... Yeah. You don't get very often in uh, in live competitive magic events. Well, yeah, absolutely, because of course in the live events it's a giant tournament. Everybody's playing. Less people have the opportunity to watch what's going on. But uh, yeah, the crowd really got into it, and I know just that from a caster, that kind of energizes me too. Yeah. You know, it's like like the home team with the momentum. Where like when I see the crowd go wild, I'm like, all right, I'm pumped up. I'm super tired, but I'm gonna keep going <laughs> because you know I'm getting all this energy and and, and, and the, the positive vibes, and it was great. And even just from a the a viewer's perspective, like you know I was only doing every other round. So, you know, in the alternate rounds, I would actually just sit down and, and view it. And I mean, the viewing experience was unbelievable. I mean, just watching arena so clean with the, with the card, you know, with, with, with the overlay, you mm -hmm. can just see everything that's going on and with the explosions and the mythic rares doing all the crazy things. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable to watch. And uh, yeah, speaking of unbelievable to watch, once we move to the, uh, to the PAX arena, for the semis and the oh, yeah. and the finals, uh, there was one game that I know I've been talking about since I got back. Uh, it was Canister versus Sabige. <laughs> uh, that semi that and this to, to give context, this was the match where it was essentially a win and in, and you're in the finals. This was right. in the losers bracket, so they had one shot to get to the finals, and it was Sabige versus Canister. Uh, and there were some pretty key plays during that game three that I think people went really insane for. Yeah, I mean that was an amazing game. This super intense. Uh, I felt like both players played incredibly well, and yeah, I, I you know when I when when I get matches like that because yeah I think Dave feels the same way. Yeah, if the other caster pair gets the awesome match, they're like <laughs> Dave's like God, I wish that was the finals, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I was like rough beats, bro, because <laughs> you, know? like, you know the finals was just over two zero, you know? And I was just like, but I, I feel the same way when somebody else gets this, you know? Uh, we, there was a the the ridiculous pterodactyls match. Oh man, she had triple yeah. rhythm of the wild and all this nonsense happening. I was like, man, I wish I did that game. So that, that game you know, there was, was a lot really of that cool. Yeah, uh, we do have some clips from the Savage match. Uh, this is a particularly great heads of play from Savage, and we're gonna listen to past you uh, commentate this particular clip, and uh, and we'll we'll roll it right now. <laughs> Library to find possibly the moment of craving. He needs, he just needs to find something that just helps him get a little oh. bit more. Here we go. 
And that's a Wizard's Lightning off the top. So if Savich actually activates Escanta the Sunken Ruin, mm -hmm. he can only syncopate for two. Glagoski has five mana in play. If he plays Wizard's Lightning, he can still pay for the syncopate. Um, I was actually very curious. I, I wasn't sure if he wanted to actually top that syncopate because yeah. it's in his best interest to use Escanta the Sunken Ruin to yeah. find answers. On top of that, I think you want to draw anything else. Even a removal spell for the Firebrand means that you're safe from a three damage burn spell off the top. So I, I wasn't sure about wanting to keep that syncopate on top in this matchup. Because at this point, this is what the red deck can do. Yeah. You force the action. You can just wait. You just attack, let your opponent flinch, and then go for the kill. Let's see now how this plays out, friends. It is getting super, super close. In this matchup, Savich needs to find a way to stay alive. Oh, and look see, at this. Lugoski doesn't even attack. Just passing, <laughs> making sure that the Fanatical Firebrand is a guaranteed source of damage here because if Savich activated Ascanta the Sunken Ruin yep. and found a moment of craving in response to that attack... He loses that one point of damage. Exactly. And now this is super close. If Savich chooses to activate Ascanta the Sunken Ruin, he will lose this game. All Glagoski needs to do here is use... Light wizards, cast Wizard's Lightning and activate... And he doesn't use it! He doesn't, he doesn't use it. Choosing wisely here to play around a potential burst spell from Wow, that is an insane... Oh. That's a super heads-up play because he's thinking to himself, why did I not... Look at that face. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Look, Look at, at that. He's, he's like, oh, my God. He's getting the payoff here. The reward oh. for not cast, not activating as <laughs> Canton the Sunken Ruin. This is ridiculous. Wow. So Doug and I were in the audience for that particular play. I can tell you the audience went nuts when Savich did not activate Escanta the Sunken Ruin. And you can hear it in your voice, too, from in the booth. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, it, the, the thing is, Savich, you know, he, he's a top-level gamer, and he had to know something was up because Glagowski did not attack with the Fanatical Firebrand that turn, which would effectively put him at three. He's like... This feels really weird. This feels really fishy. You probably have a three damage burn spell in hand. And he was holding that syncopate and he was thinking to himself, okay, it's like, you know, there's, I, I need to, I really need to keep the syncopate because Golgoski likely is gonna fire it out. And the one thing that I really love about Savich is he wore his emotion on his sleeve. <laughs> and I felt like that got the audience engaged as well because, you know, for my wife, was actively rooting for Savich, even though she doesn't play Magic. Where she was like, yeah, he just seemed like such a nice guy with a great personality, and I love this jersey. You know, just like, <laughs> just little additional things on top of that. But, I mean, that, that, that's just, that, I mean, that's a, that's a super next level play, and that's a type of play that you really expect from, you know, our MPL players. So, when I, when I saw Savich do that, uh, do that, I was like, man, this guy's legit. Like, he yeah. can play at our Mythic Championships. And yeah. honestly, uh, you, uh, you can see it on the playback videos on YouTube and on Twitch, uh, where they show sort of the stat cards for each of the players, and Savij is like, has been playing Magic since 1996. Right. Uh, so, you know, he's definitely, he definitely is familiar with the game, and that, that play, I think, really, the audience went, went crazy. Like, oh, yeah. all of them knew exactly what a next level play it was to right. not activate the escape. And did you see that sigh of relief on yeah. his face when his <laughs> opponent had the lightning and he was like, oh, inside he's probably thinking, oh my God, I'm so good at magic. You know what I mean? Because that's exactly what would have gone through my mind. I'm right. like, God, I am so freaking good at this game, you know? And it, it, was, it was incredible. Well, and the thing is, I, I, we are going to show a second clip from that match, but I would encourage everybody to go watch that entire match. Oh, yeah. it's, real, it's a master class in how to play Esper Control. Um, I could not believe some of the plays that he made. I mean, just the fact that he was able to hold back moment of craving in a couple of couple of places. It was it was crazy. 
But uh, he did, unfortunately, spoiler alert, end up losing that match. Um, and it was because of a key decision point, uh, one that everybody in the audience, I know, Doug, you were there too. Right. I mean, On the edge of our seats. And at every point, from the audience perspective, everyone at every decision point, you're going like, okay, what play would I make? Yeah. Oh, I would have been dead two turns ago. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I would not have been to this point. Yeah. We wouldn't even have gotten to this okay, point. Yeah. 99% of the audience would have activated Surge for Eskin. Uh, yep. Absolutely. You know, Eskin yep. of the Sunken Brain. That's so, what that deck wants so to do. So people would have already been dead. And, and even that was a really close decision where, you know, if you take the line of, I play Kaya, go to five, then if Kaya sticks in play for one more turn, well, we'll, you're we'll going to lock clip, up the game. But yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but before, before we get to that, uh, one thing that we cut off was there was also a decision point before that clip as to whether or not he should keep Syncopate on top. And I remember, and I think you said during the clip, like, do you even want Syncopate in that situation? Right. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, that was a pretty close call. I think oftentimes you think, okay, I have this syncopate, I can, I can counter a burn spell. But oftentimes the proper strategy when you play a burn deck, when you play against a deck with a lot of permission, is if they're close to lethal and they're representing one counter spell, oftentimes it's just correct to wait until you have a critical mass of burn spells. Right. So you can kind of chain, you know, them, chain a bunch. Yeah. But that's not something that necessarily always happens when you're just jamming a bunch of best of one games where people <laughs> are just trying to fire off as many burn spells to get you. But uh, but yeah, I thought that was a close decision. But again, I mean, all of those are like borderline calls. And it's just really unclear whether or not something was like super correct or super, super incorrect. And you're going to see something similar in this next clip, which is the, uh, I, I believe, the deciding decision mm -hmm. as to who ended up winning this game. So we'll take a look. Well. Right, and with Ascanta the Sunken Ruin going off every turn, and now Glugoski, knowing he has moment, he needs to draw a three damage burn spell. He cannot play that Gitu Lava Runner. He knows Savic has moment of craving in hand. Yeah. The only thing Glugoski is now playing to is making sure he finds a three damage burn spell. Skewer yeah. the Critics, Lightning Strike, Wizard's Lightning. Those are the cards that he's looking for now. So he's just sitting there praying, saying, please. Please find me my burn spells. I cannot play my creatures if I do. Savich stabilizes even further. And that's There's an absorb. absorb. That's an absorb. And that's also a Kaya, another way to gain life over time. Wow. Savich is slowly clawing back into this game. He has multiple ways to gain life. If Glagovsky plays a creature, he'll be able to gain the life off Moment of Craving. If he plays a spell, he can have access to the absorb. What's he going to take? He's picked Kaya, Orzov Usurper, and he's going to start digging in the graveyard of Glagovsky. Chomping all those creatures and gaining life at the same time. But keep in mind, yeah. he now only has access to one mana. Glagovsky can still draw a three damage burn spell here for lethal because he does not, Savic does not have mana for moment of craving. So if Glagovsky draws a three damage burn spell, that's he it! Does. That's lethal! That's lethal! Glagovsky top deck to win and he Ooh. needs to go for it here. If he plays the Gitu Lava Runner, that's two damage, Lightning Strike three damage, and that should be the final five points of damage for lethal for Glagovsky. Here we go. Here we go. What a game. What a game. Congratulations, oh your second finalist. Good Lord, that, that decision point and the outcome of that match, it was right. so close. Uh, Paul, in the moment, like let's talk about in the moment what you thought the correct decision was there and then, and then we'll yeah. talk a little bit next level. So, so, so there's, a, there's a couple of things there where you know, I think a lot, to, to a lot of people, you go, okay, you just take up the Absorber and you lock up the game. That's not necessarily true, right? Because, of course, Glogowski could have drawn two burn spells in a row and just waited and, and, and waited to fire it off. And another thing that a lot of people don't, don't talk about is, let's say he takes the Absorb. He's got access to four mana, and he had the Absorb in the Moment of Craving. If that's the case, what, if, what happens when Glogowski just runs out the Gitu Lava Runner and he attacks, right? 
then you have to you have a decision. Do you want a moment of craving the lava runner to gain life? If you do, in response, you get lightning, then you die. Alternatively, you know, do you absorb the Gitu Lava Runner? If you absorb the Gitu Lava Runner, they still wizard lightning you in response. Yeah. So those lines, I was so ready to go like take the absorb. If he took the absorb, I was ready to go super down the rabbit hole. <laughs> but like he chose the Kaya and then, you know, it like it, it ended up working out the way that it did. But there were there were a couple small lines in there. And I think, you know, again, that's a super close decision because look, you're 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 at three life. And your opponent didn't have a, didn't go for that lethal burn spell like on upkeep, which Glogowski did in previous turns. So if you had a burn spell, maybe he goes for it on upkeep again. So I think Savic eliminated the possibility of Glogowski probably having a burn spell there. So he goes, I'm going to resolve the Kaya. I don't know what you have in hand. It has to be the 2-2 haste creature, because if not, I'm going to go to 5. If you don't have a burn spell in hand, then I'm going to continue gaining life over the course of the game, and that's how I'm going to close out the game. So it was a really, I mean, real, again, really, really close decision. I know a lot of people go, ah, I would have taken the absorb, but there's a, there, there's a, I, f- I feel like there's some backseat gaming element there as well. Yeah, it yeah. was. I'll tell you what, the, you could hear it on the clip. I don't know if I don't know if you could, the audience could hear it on the clip. Doug and I were in the audience for that match, and when we saw the lob, uh, the uh, lightning strike come off the top, the entire audience was like, "Oh my so, god!" Like similar yeah. to to the reaction you actually had on site. Oh right. And I heard that you were like, you had a ton of adrenaline during that oh, game. Oh okay, right? so yeah, just so you know that hype. That was none of that was fake, okay? <laughs> because because he drew the win, and I have a lot of experience, by the way, casting mono red mirrors. Because I, uh, one of our pro tours had seven mono red decks <laughs> in the top eight, so I'm yeah. used to setting up burn spells off the top. So it happened, and then the crowd went wild, and then I kind of have this. So I have this lower back issue, right? <laughs> where I, I've had this injury, and if adrenaline is truly pumping through my body my lower back flares up and I'm just in excruciating pain. So, oh after, yeah, it's really bad. It's really bad. So after this game, I, you know, we went nuts. And then Alias, the moment she sent it to break, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what a match. <laughs> Somebody, I need some painkillers. It was really bad. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's but, insane, man. Yeah, but, but, but again, that was, that was an incredible game. And there's, even in the last couple of turns where, you know, it seems like a lot of, some of these lines might have been obvious, another thing that you could have considered doing was putting up an upkeep stop, yeah. right? Putting an upkeep stop because search, he had a search for Ascanta in play, which would have been able to flip. Put a set an upkeep stop, activate Ascanta the Sunken Ruin, mm-hmm. get whatever card you need, then flip the search for Ascanta that's in play. Right. If he got absorbed there, or even Kaya, right, he would have now had the mana to play Kaya and keep up, and moment, keep of up moment of craving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's like another level if you want to really look back at the game and just kind of really break down wow. that game. Because that, that was an insane, insane game. There were so many decision points in that game. And the crowd was getting really, really into it. Like, you can't see it on the, on the VOD, but right. there, were, there, were, uh, there, were, there were a bunch of Wizards folks that were watching. There was a whole crowd. That right. every, like, I think every seat was full for right. most of the event. And you could hear them like really get into this game in particular because I think right. there were, I mean, there was a lot on the line. Uh, eventually taken down, of course, by Andre Mangucci of Italy, <laughs> FPL he player. He just crushed that top Oh, my four. God. He, <laughs> he lost he one crushed, game? <laughs> he crushed the entire weekend. Right, right, right. Like, he, I don't think he dropped. He was well, in the winner's bracket o- the entire he time. He 3-0, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, first bra- the, the first bracket, too. Yeah, Mangucci just completely crushed it. <laughs> one little funny part about the Invitational, too, was, of course, first place won $250,000, but the winner also gets a computer. Yes. So he was contemplating buying a computer, but right before the event, he found out that he would get the computer. So he's like, you know what? I'll wait till the invitation. I'll see what happens before I buy this computer. <laughs> so not only did you get two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you got a free computer on top of that. Oh my god! Well, just just a wonderful event, a yeah. really good time. Uh, and before the final started, we actually debuted a pretty cool trailer oh. 
uh, for War of the Spark. And because we love it so much, we are going to show it to you right now. So get before we before we get into uh, before we get into the story so far for War, uh, we are going to show you the War of the Spark official trailers. So stick around. If that was your first time seeing that trailer, you can watch it again on the Match of the Gathering YouTube channel mm -hmm. over and over again. Uh, if it's your 20th time watching like that was for me, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you can also go to the YouTube yeah. channel. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many times you've seen it. Uh, crazy, crazy trailer. When we debuted that at the panel, uh, 
we there were you you could see the reaction in the in the audience. Becca were, Scott was literally yeah. she was about to do an interview and she was crying on the side, <laughs> not and she was just like, oh my god, I should not have watched that because it's like my yeah. makeup, you know. Yeah. Like, well, we we talked in rehearsals for the panel. We talked about like what do what, what do we do if the whole front row is crying and they totally were and like right. well, we just have to suck it up. I mean, yeah. if we if we uh, have to you know wipe one out. Yeah, just even, for... even Jimmy was like, ooh, wow, what a what a trailer. You yeah. know, he was trying to keep it together. Well, and yeah. and the thing is. Uh, Jimmy had seen it beforehand to prep for the right, panel, right? right? And uh, and like a, a bunch of us had seen it beforehand, and just seeing it on that big screen in the Pax Arena with the reaction, with the reaction from from, yeah. from the crowd who had right. never seen it before, who had, I'm sure didn't expect something on this level. Right. Um, huge props to the whole team that put together that trailer. Yeah, the video team did an amazing job. The, yeah. the the best seat in the house was the panelists. Actually, we just got to watch the audience absorb it for the first time. Yeah. And just. You know, this this is the kickoff to the panel. Now we're right. going to talk about some magic cards. <laughs> I'm super and, I'm super glad that you guys th had the chance to do the panel before it went to the casters because we yeah. were all like, Oof. <laughs> yeah, I need a I need a, I need a couple minutes to uh, to cover from that one. Yeah, <laughs> Oof. what so, a trailer. Um, yeah. So a fun thing about preview season this time around is that we are actually previewing the cards in story order. That's right. And that's something that I know that you had a, along with Blake Rasmussen had a huge hand in putting together. Right. So. Uh, Every set, we, we want to show off what's the awesome parts of the of the set. And so for this, we were just sort of like, the, building the story into this set was just, we had to reinvent how we approached it. So every card down to the weirdest little tutu, we were thinking in terms of what role does this play in the larger War of the Sparks story? So every every creature, every little burn spell, every everything, what had a role, had a purpose, had a timing in the story. So we figured why not, when rolling out the set, I mean, this is going to take, you know, mostly on Blake, uh, yeah. <laughs> tons, of, yeah. tons of organizational work to, to uh, have all the different venues that are gonna show off cards, uh, release them this way, but the payoff would be really cool. We get to see what cards are related to each other in, in story import and in like roughly uh, simultaneously go happening. So. That, that's what, what the, the team has been doing. So showing these off in these batches to give you a sense that the, the War of the Spark is progressing as we unveil the set. Well, and there's actually a place that people can view that. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it yet out there in the chat, but uh, you can see it right now if you go to bit.ly slash scenes, and that is case sensitive. So MTG War Scenes. And what you will see is uh, this website right here which is the war story scene. So uh, what's great about this is that it, it breaks down each of the acts with some of the key story cards. It doesn't have all the cards, so please pay attention to the card image gallery. But uh, for example, we click on act one, scene one. Thank you to Sean, our uh, director, to, for his help on this. You can see a lot of the, uh, some of the cards that we showed at the panel, which comprise act one, scene one. So Doug, tell me a little bit about what's going on here. All right, so this is sort of laying the groundwork. This is sort of just, just the, the very beginnings of the prologue of the story. Uh, Tezzeret is back on Amonkhet, activating the planar bridge to open the portal that will send the, the Dread Horde through to Ravnica. And the interplanar beacon is now set up. We, if you look back at the art of steam vents back in GRN, you can actually see that the interplanar beacon was being worked on all the way back in GRN. Whoa, so wow, that, look that, at that. That beacon is what we're seeing here in the, in the card interplanar beacon now. It's completed. It is uh, Ral Zarek's uh, project to reach out across the multiverse to planeswalkers all over the place to come to the aid of Ravnica, because he's seeing the writing on the wall that 
Nicobolus is planning an invasion, and it's all centered on Ravnica. So uh, if you if we can move on to Act One, Scene Two. So Act it looks like Act One has three scenes, but not every act only has three scenes. Correct. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, just sort of just sort of like a movie. Uh, act Two is a big one, and Act Three has a, a lot of big, important, pivotal moments in it. Sure. Um, here, this is this is when the the uh, portal has opened. The Planar Bridge has bridged the two worlds of of Amaket and Ravnica, and you're starting to see the Eternals, the army of the Eternals called the Dread Horde, marching through onto Ravnica. We're seeing that that sort of blue orb that happens to open up just just to kind of be a kick in the teeth. Bolas has decided to open it up over the chamber of the Guild Pack, which is the building. <laughs> That was the sort of symbol of the unity of all the guilds. This is where Jace presided over uh, as the Living Guild Pact um, over over disputes between the guilds. That building is now basically obliterated, and the, this interstellar army is is walking through out cool, of it. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, well, par for Great. Bolus. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> he, any chance to be petty, he yeah. he will take obviously. Um, so yeah, we're in, and we're seeing Liliana here, of course, who is. He, uh, Bolas is general at this point in the story, so we're seeing... That's what we saw in the trailer. Yeah, that's, yeah. that she is uh, acting in her role as... She's the necromancer in charge of controlling the masses of the Dread Horde here. So if we go into Act, uh, act 1, Scene 3, this sort of wraps up the, uh, the all the things we did at Pact. So we did all of Act 1, essentially, at Pact. Right. Uh, we've got some... We've got some familiar faces yeah. in this particular scene. So we're seeing... Uh, paint us a word picture. What's going on? Yeah, so we're seeing largely Gatewatch characters here. So this is the Gatewatches. Uh, they've arrived on Ravnica now, and they have uh, appreciated that they were right that this is a giant trap. Jace gets to see the pattern of the immortal sun in the sky over Ravnica. This is kind of mirroring uh, the art of Ixalan's binding, where Jace was unable to leave Ixalan back then. So he knows that... He, he was right. He, he, the, the flavor text there of no escape says he, he takes no joy in being right, but he was correct that this was a trap. And uh, so, but the beacon is happening. The beacon has been activated, and planeswalkers are starting to show up from all over the place. Which okay. brings us to Act Two, Scene One, I believe. Yeah. Right? One With... one last detail before we leave Act One. Oh sure. I, um, a thing that we haven't talked about really too much elsewhere is that um, we knew that it would be difficult to to get a sense of the chronology when you open cards out of booster packs. Totally. So we used um, a, a visual cue to help group uh, the, the ordering of the cards in the art. So if you'll, whenever you see like an, a pinkish sky that is kind of like an early morning dawn light, which you'll see there in, in Ignite the Beacon, Beacon and No Escape, that indicates that that is going on generally in act one. So there's three acts and that pinkish early morning sky, it's not one day really, it's not, the story isn't over one day, but that the, the dawn, uh, indication is a guide to help you, just a little hint that that happens early in the story. Interesting. Then Act 2, the sky is sort of a midday bright, you know, over uh, bright sky where, with blue sky and sunshine. So any of the, the skies that have that cue in the, in the art, that's roughly in Act 2. Let's take a look at the first scene of Act 2 in that case, and you can totally see, yeah, there's a lot of blue sky in those Planeswalker <coughs> cards, too. And it, this is the time now when... That's a lot of Planeswalkers. Paul, you are not only a great commentator, but you are also on the play design team. Yeah. Uh, uncommon Planeswalkers, rare Planeswalkers, uh, static abilities on Planeswalkers. Tell me, tell me about play design's uh, perspective on this and sort of how you, uh, how you played with these during your, during your testing. Well, I mean, I think pretty early on we realized that, you know, it's going to be fairly impossible to just make 
a bunch of Garrick Wild speakers, you know, at Uncommon and just sure. let people play Magic because that's just not going to lead to fun play patterns. So we needed to come up with like different strategies here to make it so that we can give you that feel of, hey, there's this Planeswalker on the board and you can interact it with it in some way, but we can't make them all just have a bunch of, you know, we can't have three ability Planeswalkers at Uncommon. So what we ended up doing was deciding to put statics on all of them, and for the Uncommon Walkers, we have minus abilities on them. And you can use this, you know, one or two times, but of course, they also have the static, so you know they, they largely act as kind of like enchantments, but enchantments that you can actually deal with because all you have to do is just attack the planeswalkers with creatures. And you know, I, I would say that sure it was part of you know d balancing this for constructed was difficult, but I think it was even more of a challenge for limited uh, specifically because you know oftentimes when a planeswalker hits the battlefield, the whole game turns to, I need to kill that Planeswalker. Right. Which isn't necessarily always the case with our uncommon walkers, but that does happen at times, and that does kind of significantly slow down how the games play out. So there was this fine balance that we needed to figure out because we really did not want the games to go super long. Mm -hmm. right? We, I mean, we know it's inevitable. This is a set with a ton of Planeswalkers. <laughs> games are going to go a little bit longer because sometimes you got to get that tail off the battlefield or whatever. Right. So that will happen. But you know, that was something that we were always mindful of. And if it did feel like the games went long, we had to you know, go around and tweak a bunch of numbers and tweak a bunch of the creatures to get that right. Was it fun uh, getting to playtest a set with... 37 planeswalkers in it. It was fun, but also pretty stressful because yeah. <laughs> we had to put all the planeswalkers through, you know, like, it's like, hey, we need to make sure we put most of these into our deck because planeswalkers have such a unique impact in a game of Magic. So, you know, e even a card that we're like, yeah, that probably doesn't do it. We're like, you know what? Let's still build a deck around it just to see what happens, right? And let's see what happens if we build a deck with all planeswalkers and <laughs> see what happens there, you know? So we did a lot of exploration. Uh, it was time consuming, but it was definitely a lot of fun too. Uh, and this must have been amazing, Doug, from a creative standpoint, to to come in and be like, okay, we're we're bringing all of our our like face characters into the same set. Like, let's let's do it. Well, and and we really appreciate the the work that went into creating the set and making it fun, because this was absolutely the most ambitious version of the way the set could have been built. Right. So we came with this story. We we're excited about like, okay, we know that a set is never going to have over like five, six planeswalkers in it. But maybe we could stretch and have like <laughs> eight or nine. Like, like, stay with me because yeah. the, the story is about all these planeswalkers converging around Ravnica and, and fighting. So maybe we can see a bunch of them in art or like an enchantment that kind of represents that Vraska is around. Um, and Dave's team just came and said like, I, I think we're gonna go with 30 plus planeswalkers. <laughs> Pinch me, like this is, how did I get everything I wanted right. here? You, you came to the table being like, look, I'm already willing to compromise. I know that you're probably gonna say no, but maybe we could do like, you know, six or seven? Like, yeah. is that cool? Like, so they, they've created a monster now because I'm gonna ask for everything I want from, yeah. from here on out. I mean, we know the real reason it. why there's 36 Planeswalkers. It's to make sure that we can somehow fit Tybalt into the set. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Otherwise, people, yes. Yeah, when people saw, I'm sure, like, we, we introduced Fibblethip and Tybalt here. People are losing their minds. <laughs> oh my god, that, that was a great day. That yeah. was pretty insane. When I got to, like, we actually, um, you know, going into the last day, we had, like, preview cards that mm -hmm. we were going to be showing. And at first, uh, Dave and Marshall had the uh, Time Wipe and Tybalt. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh my god, you guys got the good ones. Like, yeah. Yeah, people are gonna lose their minds, they're insane. And then at the last minute, they're like, no, just kidding, Paul, you get these. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> yes, I got Tybalt! <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if, you, if you're able to go to that, uh, go to that website, you know, we'll, we'll go through it a little bit more to go over the story. But again, that's uh, bit.ly slash capital MTG war. 
lowercase scenes. So that now now people have short URL they can remember. Yeah. Send it to your friends. Let them know. A lot of people work really hard on this. Keep let's uh, let's walk through the rest of the story so far since we since we've got you here. Mm-hmm. Might as well. So uh, Act Two, Scene Two. We Act Two, Scene One was obviously all the planeswalkers coming in right. in response to the beacon. Uh, what's going on here? What's going on in Act 2, Scene 2? So now we're really digging into the Dread Horde, the, the Army of the Eternals, and we're seeing sort of like within the Horde little individual personalities of the various Eternals. And uh, so this is when, you know, we're showing off the Amass mechanic, we're showing off uh, anything with to do with the, the zombie type or the army type, and we're going to get to see uh, Neheb. Yeah, uh, last time we saw Neheb, I'm pretty sure that uh, Samut just like super stabbed him. That's right. In, in, <laughs> yeah. in a story by Yi Chao, uh, Neheb went down pretty hard. Yeah. Um, and so we, we analyzed the wording of that story super carefully. <laughs> I just read it like, okay, did, he, he's not beheaded. He's not like disintegrated. <laughs> they didn't like set him on fire or anything afterwards. So we're like, maybe, ah. Oh, He's like, our, he's like our one named legendary eternal. And we followed him from, he was just a mortal minotaur. He, he went through the trials. And then we saw him as an eternal. And it was like, oh, he has to make the trip right. to come to Ram to go with everybody else. And so, I, we, you know, we convinced ourselves, like, I think that it's plausible that he survived being run through with, with twin kopeshes. And you can see, actually, the art of uh, Neheb has, we had the artist Igor Kirluk Add a little battle damage so that you can see the the, the place where he's you know fires coming out of his wound. But yeah, like that's that's what happens. That's what yeah. happens when you get coated in Lazatep, right? Yeah. Like everybody knows that. It, it, it's like when the bad guy like falls down a big hole. Right. You know he's alive, right? right? You know the bad guy's alive, and it's gonna come back with like a couple of scars and like or like a robot stronger. Or, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I I I for one think that you guys probably just brought in the head back so that you could have once again legendary creature, zombie minotaur warrior, <laughs> and really, really make the typesetter's job like super difficult. Hey, well, I'm they, sure you guys had a ton of fun in RNA. Yeah. <laughs> the creature types were yeah. Simic. Yep. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I had a fun on my end, but I'm <laughs> yeah. not the one who had to like shrink the fonts <laughs> and make it work in German. So there is one more scene uh, that's on the site today, and that is act two, scene three, possibly my favorite scene so far, <laughs> which is just Nahiri and Soren seeing each other again and deciding that like you know what we don't care that the multiverse is in right. danger screw it we're just going to we're just going to like fight each other i mean each one of them heard the beacon and they're like you know i know who's going to be there <laughs> yeah is the other one yeah <laughs> and we're not here to help we right. came no, for one like, reason and they, one reason they're only they're all still planeswalkers i mean uh Nahiri has a lot of humanity to her but at the same time uh these two were planeswalkers long before the mending they they were gods once and Boy, they their their concerns, their 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 grudge with each other is just surpassing any other thing. They know they'll do, probably do fine if Nicol Bolas takes over everything. Um, so they, it's it's an opportunity for them to have just kind of like this epic one-on-one -on -one showdown across, like with Ravnica as their battlefield. They show up, they duke it out, they unleash their worst uh, magic on each other. We actually have even a, a top-down card. Uh, built to express that feeling of like that that time in the movie when the two heroes go mano a mano and duke it out in single combat. I so. just want to see this battle. Is this the next trailer where you just see one v one Nahiri going up against Soren? Oh, that I'd love insane. to see that. We we should uh, we should have our people get on it. That's, <laughs> yeah. I want to see that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, some really really cool cool uh, tech here. I love that we went with uh, hybrid mana for Nahiri to represent both the red and the white side of her because sometimes she's all angry mm -hmm. and sometimes she's all not angry. Although that is few and far in Although, between. <laughs> now she it seems like she's mostly angry. Yeah, she's like almost mono red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can she she can be with this hybrid mana cost right. if you really want That's her right. to. Yeah. Uh, 
So yeah, if you want to catch up with the story, please go to, once again, we'll put the URL up on screen. That's bit.ly slash MTGWAR, all capital scenes. Uh, really, really excited about what's to come. And also, these are not all the cards that have been previewed. If you want to see all the cards that have been previewed, go to the card image gallery. There are a lot of really awesome cards that have come to light, including, of course, Fibblethip finally got a card mm -hmm. after he's been totally lost for right. goodness knows how long. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I love the new art for Totally Lost, by the way, where he's just hanging out on Ugin's head. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's actually the top of the, the statue of Bolas. Oh, so, okay, okay. So Nicol Bolas has this like vanity statue that he's installed he on Ravnica. Yeah, you know, he, he's, yeah, he's he's here to become able to take over the place. Right. So he had this you know statue of himself commissioned, kind of like the the Statue of Liberty, but like for tyranny, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, so Fibblethip ends up. Up there somehow? Yeah. Does it have stairs? I don't know Who how, knows? exactly how. That, Who's to say? He's very lost. Yeah, he's totally. He's always totally lost, he's, and he's I love lost. it. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, and on top of that, we have uh, we have what people are calling the card with the best flavor text, which is the Lazatep Hippo. Uh, <laughs> That's right. That that one was great. Uh, so there are a whole lot of great things, and again, every single card in War of the Spark is being previewed. Every single one. So uh, if, if it's not somebody in the building through the Magic website, it's a content creator outside, it's people uh, from the MPL, uh, all, every single card has been assigned and a content creator or player or wizards person is revealing it. So it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a pretty cool race to the finish as we get close to when that full card Im image gallery gets released. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Doug, I'm sure you're excited about it too. You did so much work to make this happen. We're, we're just so excited to see everyone respond to the ambition level of War of the Spark. Right. Everyone has said like, oh, you're, you're doing something amazing? Okay, well, our team will also do something amazing for this. And it's just everybody stepped up and it's just, it's, it's, it's Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I will say just like, I have not seen people near, like this is the most invested I've seen people in the lore. Of, yeah. uh, of, of any of the sets that we've made, where people are like, oh my god, what's gonna happen next? The cards will tell us, or, or somebody's gonna yeah. write some stories, because I really want to know what happens, because, <laughs> I mean, and I'm gonna say, that trailer probably helped, too, because yeah, everybody's like, awesome. what happens next, yeah. you know? Like, like is Liliana gone? What? You know, it's, it, it was just, uh, yeah. And the thing is, you know, oftentimes in play design, you know, we're spending a lot of time doing the play testing. Sometimes, you know, we, we have Andrew Brown, who who often is the one who's like gives us kind of the like the four one one. He'll give us the details, like, <laughs> yeah. all right, check it out. This is what's happening. <laughs> so he gives us like the like the short rundown. But then, like, you know, when I hear you just like elaborate on things, I'm like, oh man, this is like super fascinating. Well, I'll tell you what. If you want to get more of the story, if you want to get more of the story, you should pick up this lovely novel that's been sitting mm -hmm. sitting on the table next to me. This is, of course. War of the Spark Ravnica by Greg Weissman. Uh, Greg was on the show a couple of weeks ago to talk about this very novel, and you can catch it on uh, on a podcast and as an audio file, or you can watch the whole video on demand, either on twitch.tv slash magic or on the Magic YouTube channel. This book will be available April 23rd, wherever books are sold, but you can also pre-order it from uh, many different book retailers, which is pretty great. Right now. Right now. You can pre-order it right now. Uh, I can't wait to read this book. I haven't read it yet. Uh, the cover looks really sweet. It's by fan-favorite artist Magali Villeneuve. Uh, really, really excellent stuff. You'll be able to read the entire story in that book. So all of War of the Spark is contained in that one book. And we recently announced that there will be a second book, which uh, follows up on all the events of War of the Spark. So if, you wanted, if you've ever wanted to continue a magic story past when the set is done, uh, you'll have that opportunity this time around, right. which is really cool. And uh, I'm, I'm so excited to see more from War of the Spark. I think our, 
our audiences too. Unfortunately, I don't have any preview cards for you. So if you stuck around all the way to the end hoping for a preview card, I'm very sorry. But hopefully you still got a lot out of what we're doing. Please tell your friends about the very cool uh, scenes that we're doing. Once again, that's bit.ly slash scenes. Uh, I want to thank Paul Chion, Doug Beyer for being here. Thanks. Thanks so much for coming by, guys. Thanks for having us. It's, it's been a been a long week, so I appreciate you guys uh, <laughs> taking time out of your busy days. Yeah, this feels like the continuation of last week. It's just this. Right. Yeah, long, it's just it's I, one long. I week. haven't done laundry yet, so I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if you really love War of the Spark, you're going to be very excited for what's coming up next. Right here on this channel, please stick around. Uh, you're going to see some of Loading Ready Run, and I believe they have a special announcement that relates to their War of the Spark pre pre release. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. Uh, they're coming up next, and we'll be back next week with another exciting installment of Weekly MTG. Thanks so much.